Thank you, Pastor Peter, for uh, warming up the crowd. Um, it is so good to be with you. If you are a guest with us today, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we're just so honored to have you with us today. I love this Sunday in the year because we get to... serving our kids and serving families in our community. We love having a church that's multi-generational. We love cradle-to-the-grave ministry. We love just serving people. And uh, so it's so wonderful just to see all of our kids using their gifts and having fun, learning about Jesus, and sharing the message of Christmas with us as well. If you uh, normally attend another church and you're part of the Gladwin Child Care family, thanks for coming. We're not trying to steal you. Go back to your church next week. God bless you. Uh, But if you don't have a church home, we'd love to... website or through our social media to find out more, but we're just so glad to have you here. I won't hold you hostage too long today, but I do want to share a Christmas message with you. It is the Advent season. And uh, our Advent theme this year is longing for home, longing for home. Something about Christmas, at least in me, and I know a lot of people share this attitude with me, something about Christmas makes you long for home. People travel to get home. People gather people in their home. They want that space. And home isn't is just where the heart is. Home is more than just a house. Home is about a place where you feel yourself, a place where you're known, a place where you're loved and accepted and comfortable. And we long for that. And something about what Jesus did by arriving into the world made it possible for us to have a home in God. And we celebrate that in the Advent season. So I want to just take a few moments to share some thoughts around season is about celebrating the arrival of a child. The arrival of a child in a home changes everything. And when Jesus came into the world, he shaped history more than anyone in the world ever has. And parents know how much in their own lives, how much a new baby changes their own small world. When new parents plan to have kids, they often have a naive dream that this child is going to bring nothing but sunshine and immediately. But, but it, it is a beautiful moment, and wonderful things happen as a child is brought into the home. I have three kids of my own. I love them all, but the reality of babies is this. They destroy the home, right? They destroy. Children do not tend to be bringers of peace. Everything you built before the child arrives gets destroyed. Your finances explode. The the house looks like someone took a snow globe and shook it. Orient your lives and how you relate to each other. In short, children cause a domestic disturbance. Now, Jesus' birth is often portrayed in children's storybooks or Advent cartoons as kind of like a sterile, G-rated story. He showed up in a tiny or a tidy stable surrounded by well-behaved barn animals, and nothing could be further than the truth. It, it, it had to have been much more 
people. She was well brought up. She followed the Lord. And all of a sudden, she had an unexplained pregnancy. No good reason to be pregnant in a very conservative culture. Nobody believed her story. Even Joseph was going to leave her until an angel had to show up and convince him that her story of a miracle was actually true. But it led them to be rejected by family members, even coming to Bethlehem to give birth to the baby. The reason there was no room for them, it wasn't necessarily a hotel like you've heard of. It was the fact that there was no room for them in their relatives going on there. There was, their lives got completely turned upside down by the arrival of this child into the world. And while we regularly talk about the wonderful things Jesus brought into the world, none of those wonderful things arrived without disturbance. And here's the truth. When Jesus shows up into your world and my world, he will bring wonderful things, but he will also bring disturbance. So why do we call him the Prince Uh, uh, birth narrative of Jesus. We're going to go there and read a few verses from it, but we're actually going a little bit further on in the story of Jesus after he's born to a portion of the Christmas story that isn't always focused on in those children's books and uh, cartoons. We're going to learn about a guy named Simeon who was at the temple and met baby Jesus when his parents brought him there to perform some uh, religious rituals. Let me read from Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 35. At that time, waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he, could, he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So maybe you can already see why this part of the story isn't in the children's books. It talks about, it talks about many people rising and falling, that something about Jesus is going to pierced in her soul by a sword. Now, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He's the Messiah. He's the, he's the Savior of the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. But when is the last time anyone experienced anything of value that didn't come with at least a little bit of disturbance and disruption? So let me talk about three ways quickly that Jesus caused disruption when he was born into the world. Number one, as Simeon says, Jesus disrupted the status quo. to the status quo. He says, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. Jesus will be the reason that the elevated go low and the lowly become elevated. A lot of people were disturbed by the arrival of Jesus. Sometimes people were disturbed by him because they didn't understand him, but sometimes people are disturbed by him because they do understand him. They understand that Jesus came to earth to elevate the lowly and 
last and the last will be first. And it was said of him that his kingdom was good news for the poor. And the subtext there is it might be bad news for the rich who tend to stand on the backs of the poor. There's going to be an inversion of the normal order. And of course, someone who was most disturbed by the arrival of Jesus, Jesus who was announced to be the king of the Jews, the person who was most disturbed by that was the other king of the Jews. And this is what we're told about him in Matthew's gospel. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He was disturbed. And he was so disturbed, if you know the story, King Herod actually ordered the murder. before he could grow old enough to take the throne. Powerful people get disturbed when Jesus shows up threatening their high status. Now, Jesus didn't come to be a political leader as we know it, but there were so many political implications. The first statement of faith of Christians who followed Jesus was, Jesus is Lord, which was a direct subversion of the the Roman statement of faith, Caesar is Lord. And when Christians refuse to call authorities began to respond a lot like Herod did. We know this from history. See, the arrival of Jesus, it disrupts the status quo. The lowly become elevated and the elevated are brought low. But the greatest disturbance that Jesus causes is not a political one, it's a personal one. Simeon looked at Mary and said, a sword will pierce your very soul. Jesus causes personal disturbance. These words directed at Mary, and Mary, his mother, had to witness this. She had to witness her son get arrested, then executed on a cross, the most brutal way to die. She would have had so much internal conflict and pain watching this happen. That's my baby. That's the boy I raised. I I nursed him. I taught him to walk. I I, I got him through adolescence. Her, Her protective mother instinct would have kicked in hard. But at the same time, she knew who Jesus was. Sins of humanity. But she had this conflict between seeing her son suffer and knowing that he had to. Now imagine that for you. Imagine someone came to you and said, if your child doesn't die, 10,000 other children will. It's a horrible idea. And objectively, you could say, well, I guess the the trade-off makes sense, even if it's horrible. But not when it's your own child. I love my kids way more than 10,000 other kids. I would want she had for her son and the knowledge she had that he had to die, a sword pierced her very soul. Now, you and I aren't Mary, so we don't share her conflict. And Lord willing, we'll never have to choose between the lives of our kids and others. But Mary's inner conflict symbolizes an inner conflict we all face when confronted with Jesus. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, but in his own words, he says, I did not come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. 
vision. It was an image of separation between two sides, two allegiances. And Jesus is referring to us, to him separating things from us that are not good for us, separating things from us that are harmful to us. And he's referring to a decision that everybody needs to make when confronted with Jesus. Will we align our hearts with him and call him Lord? Or will we align our hearts with someone or something else and call it Lord? This is a disturbing question for many people. Allegiance over anything else. There's no casual way to follow Jesus. The sword pierces through our soul. Jesus is everything he says he is, or he belongs in a psych ward. And that's actually the argument of C.S. Lewis. You, you may know C.S. Lewis as the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia. He was also a, a world-class professor teaching out of Oxford. He had been an atheist who became a Christian. And he had this famous argument where he said, Jesus is either a liar who's a horrible... ...thinks they're a poached egg, or he's the Lord... Because Jesus showed up and said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen God. I and the Father are one. In other words, I'm God. That's not someone that you respond to mildly. The sword pierces our soul when we are confronted with the claims of Jesus. The wonderful thing about giving your It falls upon the things in your life that are destroying you. He begins to separate us from things that are harmful to us. He separates us from things that keep us from being all that God designed us to be. Like a surgeon, Jesus begins to cut away that which is making us sick. We still resist. It's our nature. We continue to fight back. Jesus threatens the throne of our lives because he insists that he sit on it, not us. And we sometimes respond like Herod did. But if we want deep and lasting with, that's what Jesus offers to do. We can fight him, we can run from him, we can curse him, or we can call him Lord and invite him to do what only he can do. And that's the third way Jesus brings disturbance. But in the best way, Jesus deals with our sin. When the angel spoke to Joseph about Mary's pregnancy, he said this, Matthew 2, 21, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. If you're firing your arrow and you miss the target, it's called a sin. Not just missing the bullseye, but just missing the entire target itself. It just flies right by. It's called a sin. But the idea of sin in the Bible isn't just missing the target, it's completely turning in the opposite direction and firing somewhere else. A, a simple miss can actually be commendable. If someone's trying, they're trying to hit the target, they just don't have the ability to at this point. But turning in the opposite direction is rebellious. Pointing at the proper target. Human sin is turning in the opposite direction from God, turning in the opposite direction from our own humanity, from our own purpose. It's turning in the opposite direction of reality itself, firing arrows aimlessly, causing chaos and destruction and harm to those around you. In an archery field, you would be banned forever from target practice. When human sin entered the world, it wasn't in a shooting range, it was in a garden. 
all done the same thing. We believed a lie. We turned from God and and took our lives into our own hands, doing what was right in our own eyes. And as a result, we were banned, exiled from the garden of life. If you're familiar with that story, an interesting thing happens next. God placed an angel at the entrance of the garden as a guard. And the angel had something in his hand. It was he tried to get back into the garden without permission. The sword separated Adam and Eve from the garden. It separated them from life. It separated them from peace. It separated them from their home. And since then, all of humanity has been separated from life, separated from God, and we have longed to go back home, but have had no way to do it ourselves. Then Jesus came into the world saying, I came. No, it fell on him. He was executed on the sinner's cross that we deserved. He didn't sin, but he took the weight of our sin. He was separated from life so that we could live. He was separated from God so that we could be reunited with God. He was separated from his home so that we could have a home forever. He gave us re-entry to the garden, but to do so, he had to experience the full force of the sword. This is how Jesus ultimately Because he bore the weight of chaos and death on our behalf. And while this world still looks a lot like chaos and death quite often, Jesus gives us the gift of a kind of peace that you can experience in greater and greater measure each day as you put your trust in him. It's the kind of peace that transcends our circumstances, a peace that remains calm, not just because there's no storm, but a peace that helps us remain calm even life for us. It's a peace that begins in the heart with peace between creator and creation, and then it extends into our hands so that we can share it with each other. Bringing peace in families, bringing peace among friends, bringing peace among ethnicities, bringing peace between people who were once at war, bought and paid for by Jesus, who was separated from life so that we could live forever. So today I want to invite you, just invite you, to maybe take a time out from sitting on the own throne of your life. And give Jesus a turn to show you how it's done. Lay down your crown and call him the Lord. And this is what he promises. John 14, 27, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? that song from earlier it's a it's really a declaration of who jesus is and it's one thing to sing a christmas carol they're all wonderful but we can also sing a christmas carol and believe it in our heart to really say yes let's adore this child that was born let's give him our all let's give him our allegiance and ask him for his peace so as they play it you can sing if you want or you can just meditate in your heart on the words and then i'll come back and close after they're done
come let us adore him Christ the Lord for you For you alone are worthy For you alone are worthy Christ the Lord Will give you all the you Jesus father in heaven we thank you so much that when you saw our sin and our rebellion and our separation from you you didn't just say good riddance but you enacted a plan by sending your son God in flesh to come Lord give us the faith to trust in him Lord give us the confidence to give him the throne of our lives and to walk with him daily, and to be able to experience a peace that doesn't just calm the storm, but gives us peace within the storm, knowing that we will make it to the other side, and you have eternal life for us with you. So God, we thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for each person that was here today. Lord, bless our kids, Lord God. Thank you so much for them. I pray the joy and wonder of Christmas would stay alive in their hearts forever. That spark for us. Remember, help us to remember the amazing gift, the amazing miracle of you sending Jesus into the world, the Savior of the world. We put our trust in him today and thank you for all your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, so much for being here today. We do have some treats, some cookies in the lobby for you to enjoy on your way out. Don't rush off. But also, parents, you can find your kids. You were told where to get them. You can uh, go grab them, bring them back out, get them a cookie.